Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents The Kingdom Driven Family Podcast with your host, Andrea Schwartz. This podcast will equip and empower you to help advance Christ's kingdom through God's primary institution, the family, building a home that serves Christ and His kingdom. Schwartz back again with my co-host Nancy Wilk for another edition of Homeschooling Helps. Hello, Nancy. Hi, Andrea. It's good to see you again. Yes, indeed. So we are continuing in our series Outside the Box because I think a lot of homeschoolers miss the opportunity that's before them, that since they are ultimately deciding on what curriculum they will use and what the mission statement and the purpose is of their um, homeschool, they sometimes get confined into thinking we have to do this just like outside school, which is what we used to call it at our house. Um, And so I, I think that the more we think about ways in which to achieve our end, not so much through crazy means, but maybe not traditional means, we do an awful lot to prepare our, our children for adulthood. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. Well, we have also bought into the idea that that the, um, the, the standard, you know, which is what we're talking about getting outside the box, outside of that perception of norm is to go to public school. And then when you graduate from public school, you go to college. And when you graduate from college, that you get a good job working for somebody else so that you can just sort of repeat that cycle. So today we're going to talk about getting outside that box in terms of what we look looking towards um, after this primary education, perhaps, or um, as you mentioned, the goals. Right. Long-term goals. Right. Now, let me say two things. One, it doesn't dishonor God to work for other people. Every entrepreneur (laughs) needs people to work for him. So we don't want to say one is more godly than the other they're different and there's certain benefits to being an entrepreneur. There's certain detriments. You know, if an entrepreneur makes a bad guess or makes a wrong investment, there's usually no one there to bail him out and he has to, you know, pick himself up and start over. Right. That can also happen to people who are employed. Their business could, the place they work for could go out of business in much the same way that an entrepreneur's business could fail. True. So, What our emphasis needs to be is on godliness. That would include a standard of excellence, integrity, practicality, and reliability. Mm -hmm. And so rather than wait until after the academic years are over, I think it's worthwhile to encourage children to start a business. Now, we think of business, okay, that to make to be a business, you gotta be making money. No, to be a business, you have to be engaged in some activity. Um, when people do volunteer work, they, they're going about their business. The fact that that volunteer work may not pay them doesn't stop it from being a reliable business, right? So I think, and it, my per- parenthetical was find a need and fill it. Mm -hmm. Now, when we talked last week about research, like, oh, you want to be a 
marine biologist. I think I use that as an example. Okay, go out and research what a marine biologist does, whether or not you're willing to do all that it takes to be one. But by the same token, rather than always making the students focus on the distant future, which comes up all too quickly <laughs> and goes, well, how did I get here? I'm now expected to do something. I think it's important to encourage our students to look around and say, what's needed here? Is there something I can do outside the family, right? Because as a family member, you shouldn't say, okay, I'll mow the lawn, but you have to pay me. You might mow the lawn because you get food and you get clothing and you get shelter. So it's not like parents need to hire their children to do the things that the family needs. But as somebody has completed the assigned work and everything else, their focus should be on what can I do that is beneficial to me now and my future as opposed to playing video games or we're getting a train. Are we getting a train? Okay. That means we have to silence Nancy here. Um, so playing video games. I mean, there's a lot of people who spend a lot of time wasting their time and that's their reward for having done a good job. Okay. Now you have time to yourself. Well, I'm not suggesting that we have to organize every aspect of a child's life, but if we help them get a focus on, you know, you could actually do something that could turn into something beneficial. And so I think that uh, encouraging children, this would be good for adults too, to look around and say, what's needed here? Okay, let's make some easy examples. Let's say you walk up and down your street and a lot of people um, have overgrown lawns. Well, a young boy could decide he wanted to have a lawn care business. And so he goes around and he offers that to all the neighbors that he's going to set aside a particular day of the week. And, and would you like me to go ahead and mow your lawn? Now, let's say they already have a gardener. He goes, well, okay, well, that's fine, you know, but I'll do it for $5, you know? So he gets his $5 and he has 10 customers. Now he has $50 he made from helping those customers. But maybe he decides, you know, I'd really like a better lawnmower. This is a little hard just with that push lawnmower. So he takes some of his money and he invests it in more equipment. Right now, am I saying that this young man will be a gardener for the rest of his life? Probably not. Probably not. My son, when he was younger, started a car washing business. All right. So people would bring, because he couldn't drive yet, people would bring um, okay, I'll get you back on now that the train has passed. Uh, people would bring their cars there. He would give them a price. He would tell them when to come back and get it. He did it in our driveway. He used our water, but we were willing to let him do it. And uh, it got to the point that at one point, my husband was bringing cars home from the dealership and they were paying him to do it. Yeah, right? That's nice. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now for a young man who had no overhead, you know, we weren't charging him to live there. We weren't charging him for his education. We weren't charging him for food, right? This gave him money to spend on that new pair of skates he wanted, or if he wanted some other piece of equipment or something he wanted. So that was good. Now, here's the interesting part. One time he damaged somebody's car. Oh. Not intentionally, 
but now he had to figure out how much that was going to cost so that he had to pay it back. And since, you know, and, and that was part of it. So he got to see in the real world. Now it was like, Oh, are you going to make him pay for that? Oh, are you going to handle it? No, this was his business. That's part of the risk. So he learned something today. My son, the father of three doesn't wash cars for a living. <laughs> sure he, he owns his own business. And he's got employees and he has to deal with the various things. So that training was there. Right. Right. So when you're talking about giving, letting the children have a business, you're not talking about LLCs and, and really um, like legal businesses. You're just talking, you know, small, you know, things that they can, right. they can exchange their labor for a few dollars. But what about when they get older and, and these, uh, after they've explored these little ideas, the lemonade stand or, you know, car washing or grass cutting or whatever, then, then they really are better prepared to assess whether or not they can move into being an entrepreneur or if they're going to um, earn their living doing something else or be of best, best service. Or both. Or, or both. Because I don't know about you, I can't predict the next year. I don't know what's going to happen. I can say this is what I plan, but God's going, that's why we say Dio Valente, God willing, because we don't know what's going to happen. But I can tell you that that experience and the other experiences he had, my husband would sometimes um, get him to work at the dealership where he worked and he had to do all sorts of manual stuff, painting sidewalks. He learned how to use a jackhammer. He came home and he said, when I get older, I want to use my mind rather than my hands. This is exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> so he learned something the same way that if a young girl has a nanny job or a babysitting job, she's learning how to eventually care for her own family. It's an invaluable lesson to have basically taken care of infants, taken care of toddlers. But the key here is that the young person finds a need, says, you know, people could use this and then does something. Now, this could also work with inventions. Mm -hmm. I remember after my, I think it was the second child, maybe it was the first second, I can't remember. But it was I was doing diapers because we used disposable diapers. And once you opened up a diaper and you realized that it really wasn't that dirty, you had to change the diaper because there was no way to reseal it. And I remember telling my husband, you know, somebody should invent a, a, a disposable diaper that when you open it up, you can reseal it. Well, by the next child, somebody had. I had Maybe. an idea. But mm -hmm. obviously somebody else had that idea too. Sure. Sure. Or we got a van once and um, I said, you know, it'd be really nice if they had those sliding doors that opened on both sides. And my husband said, oh, no, no, they can't do that because of the structure. Well, within a couple of years, they had the sliding door. So if I had had the wherewithal and the knowledge, I might have decided I could design things. So there's plenty of young people who start designing things when they're young. Right. So what I mean by thinking outside the box, don't assume that because somebody's 11, that that 11 year old can't have a vision for something that's needed and wanted and then give that person the opportunity to figure out how to do it. Exactly. Exactly. 
one of the things that we do find out often too late as adults and in business is that the ideas sometimes uh, that things take longer than you anticipate to get the return and the learning curve is very high. And if you don't go into the marketplace serving um, and filling a need, you can just sort of spin your wheels for a long, long time. So it really is very valuable experience for them to try out different things. Right. And, and notice that I framed it as find a need and fill it, not I have this great idea. I think everybody would love pink umbrellas to use in February. Well, that's maybe a lovely idea and you may like a pink umbrella, but you may be your only customer. Mm -hmm. A lot of people also come uh, think even moving, moving into college that um, or into their employment or business that they're going to do what they like to do. You know, I've, I've talked to a, a young girl recently who likes Greek mythology. So she has the idea that she's going to be somehow, you know, in college and make a living on Greek mythology. I think, hmm, you know, I don't see a, a big need for that, but who knows what's going to happen by the time she graduates college with a master's degree in Greek mythology. Exactly. So notice one of the things I said was practicality. She can love Greek mythology. It can be her avocation. She might even write books on Greek mythology that bring it to the masses. She could do a lot of things. But if you don't tie in the practical, is this somebody? Is this something that somebody needs and wants? Right. If it isn't, then this is an avocation. It'll never be a vocation. And avocations are perfectly legitimate. It's just not what you do that you're going to spend your time on. I don't think I've ever heard of the word avocation. Tell me yeah. what is that means. It's, it's like, I mean, I don't want to reduce it to a hobby, but it's like something that you do that, um, oops, I just lost myself there somehow. Um, oops, let's see if we get myself back. I don't know how I got lost from the screen here. Um, oh, well, I'll just keep talking and you're showing up there. Uh, it, it's something that you do that you don't necessarily get paid for. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Hang on just a second. I'm going to bring myself down and see why I, I'm not showing. Hello, it's just me. We lost. Yeah, Andrea. it's still just for some reason. I'm not showing up here on the other side. So you're going to have to look pretty, Nancy. Anyway, to uh, continue the thought that finding a need and doing it and don't just reduce it down to that. It has to be about money. All right. right. I, I saw a YouTube video about a young man. I don't exactly know where he was um, that uh, he saw potholes in his street and he could see that people were going ahead and, you know, their cars were going into. So he took it upon himself to go get dirt out of his backyard and he was filling potholes. Well, as a result of that, He's made national news because people videoed it. His mayor and the governor contacted him, thanking him for his enterprise. So will this young man be a pothole fixer for the rest of his life? No, probably not. But what he did do is he saw a need and he fixed it or he went ahead to fix it. And that's the kind of thing that if we encourage people to do. So anytime your children say, 
you know, it would be a good idea if blah, instead of saying, well, somebody will figure that out, say, well, why don't you find out if somebody's already done it? Right. Or how can you do it? How can you, how can we make that happen? You know, if this needs to be done, how can we do it? Yeah. Um, I don't know how many people know about the pro-life organization Live Action. Um, it's the organization run by a young woman by the name of Lila Rose. And I know Lila Rose from when she was a little girl. She was in my homeschool group. So she is a homeschool grad. But when she was 15 years old, she started this organization called Live Action. And she involved her other homeschool friends in it. And they started making people aware of, especially her generation, of what was going on. Well, now it's one of the premier pro-life groups. She's regularly traveling the world, talking to heads of state. She's been on television. She's she, she goes to college campuses and engages on the subject. This started when she was a homeschool kid who had a vision, who when she discovered that abortion was rampant, you know, because when you're growing up, you don't want to think that the society you live in um, basically is killing children. So what she did was she had a vision and she pursued it. Now, in her case, it turned into something that she has spent, you know, the last 15, uh, 17 years doing. Um, and I would say that don't underestimate a child who is good at putting things together, <clears throat> pardon me, or who um, actually knows how things work because that child can come up with an invention that saves people time, effort, or money. So when I say thinking outside the box, as a parent, you're like, oh, what does God want me to discover about my child? Mm -hmm. And then once that child is acclimated to what he or she is good at, you encourage it. And it's the stuff that they're good at that they have an inclination for that's likely to be their business as opposed to, I can't sing, I'm tone deaf, I think I'll be an opera star. I mean, not, not, not likely to happen. Not likely, not likely. But, you know, there are things that um, God has designed um, people and communities in his church um, with different sets of skills so that we can and need to work together. There's a little um, book that um, comes to mind called Eye Pencil, and it's about how no one person can make even the simplest utensil um, and, and basic utensil because the, the skills and the materials and the techniques come from such diverse places that, that you can't do it by yourself. Right. So you never know, you know, what it, it might seem like a small thing that the child is developing or, or getting really good at, but you don't know how that may at some point fit into a bigger picture they may not be um, a pothole fixer or a car washer, but they'll develop skills in that process, practicing on the small things to be um, later interested with more and to build on that skill set. Why wait until you're quote unquote grown up before you do grown up things, <clears throat> especially in a homeschool setting with people that have a number of children, you know, they already have a skill set that is probably better than most college grads. If you're the oldest, 
of three, four, five, six, seven kids, you know how to manage children. You know how to, you know, take care of infants. You know how to clean a house. You know how to prepare a meal. You know how to clean up after a meal. So if at some point in the future, you want to go take a job at a restaurant, you're much more likely to end up being the manager before too long because you had to help in the managing of your household. Yes, yes, yes. Another thing, I go on. I was just going to say there's a lot of skills to be developed and and practiced along those along those lines and it shows us if we if we really look and see you know you can do a lot of math in there um obviously you know that's a great place to to practice real math look at what god has to say about um honest weights and measures and self-discipline and being productive those are those are character traits and and um and God has a lot to say in terms of business and industry and economics. Economics, that's a really, you know, that's a really big one. It's more than just right. math. And um, so. Yeah. And then one thing that I think is certainly in line for homeschool students, by the time somebody's 12, 13 years old and has a maturity, and I'm not saying it has to happen there, I think they could have tutoring jobs I mean, if, are there people in your neighborhood who go to school who are failing? I've often helped um, public school families who get referred to me by a, a Christian teacher who works in the public schools. And when he has a family that he knows that this family is committed to their child doing better than he or she is, he refers them to me. But imagine if we could have a network like that of teachers that work in the public schools that will connect families that need extra help with Christian families. I mean, not only does it work in terms of a great commission thing, but at the end of the day, if someone can read, then they're able to read the Holy Bible, which should really be the main reason that anybody learns how to read. Right. That's a valuable um, position to be in, in as a Christian in the, if you happen to be in the, um, public school, if the Lord has you in there, you know, a lot of times we tend to, to think that the public, I, I, I certainly tend to think that the public school doesn't help me train my children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, but there are people that are there that need to be there and God has them there. But do, instead of saying, um, defending their, their um, position to look at it as a ministry opportunity and say, look, we know where you can get more help and sending them that direction rather than um, defending an um, un, un biblical system. But um, I don't want to get distracted on that, but okay. let's go well, back. to. Well, let me oh, just wait. add something there. Cause I think it's okay. important. I've known uh, homeschool moms who went back to teaching after their kids graduated. And mm -hmm. I happen to know firsthand this teacher would encourage families, you should be homeschooling. Your mm -hmm. child will get a much better education. So in a lot of ways, how I look at the Christians who are teaching in public schools, who are faithful and really do want to serve the kingdom of God, they're like the people who worked in Caesar's household. 
um, Paul makes mention of the fact that there were many who were in Caesar's household. So if they can go ahead and help people get on a better footing, and we had Christian families willing to help in the locale, um, it'd be a great witnessing opportunity, a great ambassadorship for Jesus Christ. And I think ultimately it isn't about public school against homeschool against a private school. It should be about the kingdom of God. Right, right. I feel like we're getting a little bit off topic, but um, one thing that I want to talk, maybe not, it's still outside the box and about, <laughs> about school and educating our children um, faithfully. But um, let's think back about the, um, about starting a business. And we talked about, you know, the whys and, um, and that kind of stuff. But, I want to address briefly if somebody is really like really ready to do a legitimate business, what are some of the things that they may need to think about in terms of, you know, um, legality and licensure and taxes. And, you know, if the kid really can have their own business or if the if the one of the parents need to have the business, employ the child, you know, and then at some point, let the child, um, you know, be a partner or or buy out the business, those kind of things. Let's talk about those practically, because that's where it starts. But we want it to grow up. And what 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 might it look like there? So there's a, a lot of in between there that we could cover. OK, so um, in that capacity, first and foremost, the instruction needs to be not so much on what's legal, which will be important but what is lawful under God? So there'll be many a times where the legal structure of the, um, the tax code or whatever it is, allows somebody to do something that God's law says they should not do. Sure. So you so have to abortion, go in there. For example, you wouldn't want your child to say, oh, when I grow up, I'm gonna be an abortion doctor. No, I mean, yes, that's, that's obvious. <clears throat> that, that, that one's obvious, but for example, somebody offering you free money with the understanding and don't worry, um, you can get this, but you may not have to ever pay it back because this or that. No, if you're going to commit to something, you have to do it honestly before God. So sure. an understanding of biblical law in the area of economics, business, health, etc. You want to know if you're on solid ground with the Lord, because who cares if you're on solid ground with the state, but you're at, you know, at odds with the Lord. So. Then you, you try to find Christians who have already traveled this road and set up mentorships because they've already traveled it. And the truth is, if you have a business in Tennessee, the laws in Tennessee might be different than the laws in California or Virginia or Maine. And so, again, I see this as building up a network. And this will be something that we talk about in terms of thinking outside the box for future uh, conversations um, is how to take back from a godless society the the various things that are needed and wanted and we do it without the godlessness of what currently exists so it truly is christian reconstruction the same way that i don't know 50 60 years ago homeschooling Christian schooling was something that not too many people thought about. But when the idea was, how can you be faithful to God and send your children here? The same thing is true about higher education. The same thing is true about business. If somebody wants to go into a business that is currently very corrupt, 
they need to understand how to make that godly if it's even possible. So when you mentioned abortion doctor, obviously you don't want to say, how can I make a house of prostitution more godly? You can't. Right. So right. We're not talking about those things. We're talking about legitimate needs. Just like somebody thought, wouldn't it be good if people could talk over distances and we get the telephone or gee, wouldn't it be nice if when the sun goes down, <laughs> we could see inside our homes and we got electricity. Those were just human beings. Right. That, that, you know, who God gave the insight to. So I guess when I say think outside the box, don't tell your child who says, I think I'd like to do this, say, oh, no, no, you won't be able to do that. No, no, you don't know. Just take the interest and desire and encourage it, but include honesty, integrity, excellence, practicality, and reliability. Right, right. And a very, very practical application of God's word. You know, yeah. like we have, um, we have people in this, uh, in, in our country that are, are trying to leave the earth's atmosphere and build colonies on other planets. You know, God says, you know, there's things that he is in control of and he has ordained and, you know, we're just not going to be able to escape that orbit or, or that atmosphere, you know? Right. right. What's the safest geographical location for anybody or the most profitable? The will of God. Those exactly. are the coordinates. Yes, yes, yes. All right. Well, I don't know how we're doing on time. Where are we? Uh, we're just about at the end here. And I apologize okay. to people who watch this afterwards that I, on technical difficulties here, on my end, it looks like I have fallen off, but I got some comments from Gwen. Thank you for letting me know I'm not lost. Um, I assumed that you were not saying that, Gwen, theologically, because, yes, I'm not lost. I know the Lord Jesus Christ, but I think you were telling me I am not lost. You can still see me. So that's good. Yes, I can still see you. So, OK, well, on my side, it's this big black screen and I've gone dark. So, you know, I don't usually think about black holes, but this could have been one based on the, what I'm seeing. <laughs> OK. Well, Andre, you did use a word that I don't know if we've um, actually defined very well yet. Yeah. And yeah. you said Christian reconstruction. There may be listeners that are not familiar with that term. Would you would you tell us what you mean by that? Okay. So to construct something is to build. To reconstruct it is to rebuild it. So if a house burns down. If a house crumbles after an earthquake, it needs to be reconstructed because it was there before. A new construction where nothing has ever been would just be a construction. A reconstruction is a building again. And so for those who are familiar with American history, even though it was not always perfectly followed, because this side of heaven it doesn't, there are definitive Christian foundations for our society, mm -hmm. all right? Starting from the apostles and the early church, what we have come to know as Western civilization or Christendom, which are those terms are sometimes used synonymously, means that a society organized around the Bible. And that would mean that all forms of government, starting with self-government, 
then going to family government and church government and the government of the school or the government of the occupation or the general government of society. And then finally, the civil government, which would be just one government among many, that all these need to be under the rule and dominion of Jesus Christ because they're all part of the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. So our society, and I don't think it takes much for people to see um, that when all is said and done, if we don't build on Christian foundations, then what does it matter? Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. So when we talk about Christian reconstruction, we're talking about reordering every area of life and thought under the rule of God's law. And for some people, that's going to be like, huh? Wait a minute. Yeah. The Bible doesn't have anything to say about where I shop. The Bible doesn't say anything about who I should marry. Well, the Bible says a whole lot about everything. And mm -hmm. if you're oriented to look for that, then you are embracing the idea of Christian reconstruction. Mm -hmm. And uh, on a very, very basic level, it seems that um, in terms of basic and, and personal level, when the Lord reveals himself to us, when we are born again, he begins the he begins the process of reconstructing our lives at that point because we have been born when we get born again, he he reconstructs our life in terms of his um, lordship, his purpose, and um, his pleasure for us, his call in our life. So, um, so when we look at reconstruction outside of self, our self-discipline, our our, um, our self-government, it's just the, an extension of that, a natural extension of that. God, God order of things rather than us kind of making it up as we go, go along, right? Absolutely. And that kind of ties us back into our subject. So God is the author of all things. And if you have been in, um, inspired, uh, have this idea that you should be homeschooling your children, keep in mind that God plans to use that obedience to bring about something that will further his kingdom. That's why I say, be willing to think outside the box with regards to your children. You know, did Mr. and Mrs. Mozart know they had little, you know, Wolfgang? Did, you know? <laughs> um, probably did, not. <laughs> you know, they're probably scratching their head going, what are we gonna do with this kid, right? Right, right. And so um, everybody starts off as a child. And so it's whether or not we encourage them to seek the kingdom of God, which is what they're supposed to do, and then realize that they have abilities, talents, and interests that will serve the kingdom. And in the process, it might also pay the bills, <laughs> right? But that would be a secondary benefit that whatever we do, we do it for the glory of God and we find out what God wants for us. Yes. Well, it's been a great conversation. And we know that these ideas are not just theory. God has given us real, um, real instructions, real purpose, real direction, real tasks, and we need to be about them faithfully. So I do appreciate you um, bringing these conversations and ideas to our attention. It's always good to, um, to examine ourselves and to walk in terms of God's call in our life. So 
Thank you. Amen. Nothing that I could add to that. You said it very well. So until next time, and thanks everybody for joining us today, including all your comments, everybody. So thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining Andrea Schwartz and the Kingdom Driven Family Podcast. Holding up the family and self-government as a true and lasting means of transforming society. Please visit thekingdomdrivenfamily.com and reconstructionistradio.com.